Welcome to Young and Adulting, a podcast of the Young Adults community at Christ Fellowship Church. Our hope is to create a safe place for authentic conversation around the ins and outs of life as we all try to navigate following Jesus in the world we live in today. Thanks for joining us and welcome to the conversation. Well, welcome back to the podcast. I'm so excited for this conversation today. My name is Lewis and I have with me a special guest, not really a guest. He's been a part of the podcast before on episode four is heaven for real. You need to go check that one out. He is a professor at Southeastern University. He is a pastor at Christ Fellowship Church. He is a writer and editor for a lot of the ministries that we have here. We have none other than Professor Randy on the podcast. Come on, Pastor Randy. How are you doing today? Hey, Lewis. Good to be with you. Thank you very much. Oh, this is awesome. We are uh, finishing up a series that we've been in all month called The God Who, talking about the names of God. A lot of it comes out of the idea that God has revealed himself to us, Mm -hmm. um, and he's used different names, and through those names, we get to discover more about him. So as a a theologian, as a pastor, when we talk about the names of God, what, what goes through your mind? Yeah, well... First, that's a great study. Uh, it's not one that you hear as much nowadays, and that's unfortunate. Um, I, it, it, it is. It's just, and, and again, we'll be focusing on the Old Testament here, but mm-hmm. there's a lot to be said for doing that in the New Testament too, especially with Jesus and the different titles and names that are applied to him. So that's a great study too. But when, when I think of the names of God, the first thing is... In t- People in today's culture need to understand a name meant something more than what it does then, okay. or what it did then. Because, for instance, uh, my wife and I, Charlotte, we, we just had our first grandson, okay? Congratulations. So he's going to be six months uh, next week, as a matter of fact. And so it's a you know, great time, this, that, and the other. And they, they just named him, and they took forever to name him. And it was like, well, we want this name, we want that name. And then they finally, they finally landed on Benjamin Theodore. Benjamin Theodore. Uh, yeah, yeah, so it's cool. But <laughs> we asked and said, okay, where'd that come from? And they said, it just sounds good. And it, it's like, that's, that's, but that's really how we name folks today. That's really our culture, unless it's a family name or something like that. Mm-hmm. Well, that has nothing to do with how it was in ancient times, and especially in ancient Semitic cultures, which is what we're going to talk about today, right. of course, talking about the Old Testament. Uh, so a couple things I would mention is, first, we need to remember that names are personal, mm-hmm. okay? For instance, for me, I get to teach at a, a CFSEU. And, you know, I'll have times where, you know, I've had students three, four classes, and then they graduate. Well, and then they come on staff here at Christ Fellowship. So I see them all the time. We're working together, you know. Well, you know, I'll go to them at some point and say, look, stop calling me Professor Allison. We're we're not in class anymore. You know, call me Randy. And it takes a while for them to get used to that. Well, but the point is, is because when I share that, that's a, that's a more personal way of addressing me. That, you know, that shows that, you know, hey, it's not such a formal relationship anymore. You know, we're friends, we're coworkers. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, that's important. So names are personal. When, when someone tells you their name, especially in, in ancient Semitic cultures, that, you know, that is an invitation to a relationship. So that's what we have to remember. The other thing is like what you just alluded to. The second thing, what is it about a name? Uh, names communicate important information and not just personal or personality, but it's also uh, sometimes a name would define the purpose of a life. Okay. Mm-hmm. Sometimes name reveal the character 
of that person, uh, both in positive and negative ways. You can see that in Scripture. Uh, so that's something else to realize is that names, as we talk about them in the Old Testament culture, uh, they can tell you important things about a person. Uh, and then the last thing I would mention, names are so important, and especially the name of God, that names become equivalent with the person, where if you're talking about the wow. name, you're t you are literally, literally talking as if the person was there right now, and especially when we talk about the name of God. Uh, you can see in Proverbs 18.10, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. Now, not just the Lord, but the name of the Lord is a strong tower. In other words, it's a fortress. Uh, the righteous run into it, and they are safe. Uh, Psalms 111.9, God provided redemption for his people. He ordained his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. Uh, Matthew 6, 9, this should sound familiar to everyone. Jesus is teaching us how to pray. Pray then in this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. And the emphasis there, of course, hallowed. His name is to be holy. It's mm -hmm. to be set apart because of who he is. Um, and then the last one, Exodus 27. Uh, everyone should know this one, too. It's one of the commandments. Uh, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Now, I like how New Living Translation will come and translate that for today's culture. Uh, what does it mean to not take the name of the Lord your God in vain? They say it this way. You must not misuse the name of God. And so all of that is just so important. And then also, as we're talking about you know, Old Testament culture, let's remember... Uh, Jewish people, even to this day, especially Orthodox Jews, they won't say the name of God. And if you're reading a book that's been written by an Orthodox rabbi or someone like that, when they go and spell the name God out, they leave the vowel out. It's G underscore and then D because they are so careful not to misuse the name of God. And I'll be honest with you, we need to see some of that in churches today. Uh, because it would be nice to see that kind of a healthy reverence for who God is and for his person. Um, and I think the last thing I would say regarding names, and, and again, really to bring folks back to that ancient culture, the power of a name, it's really our concept today of branding. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, for instance, companies, companies will spend millions and millions of dollars when they want to rebrand you know, because branding, I mean, for instance, let me mention some companies. Think what comes to mind. You know, Let's go. you think of Apple. Okay. What comes to mind? iPhone. Okay. Yeah. You're not thinking fruit. Okay. Uh, <laughs> That's right. You're thinking a company that makes computers or phones, a quality, uh, I think high dollar. Uh, that's you know, true. yeah. So that's what you're thinking with Apple. Uh, Nike. Champions. Yeah. You're thinking victory. You're thinking, I think, Michael Jordan, because, you know, he's been with Nike for decades and right. he has his own brand with them and everything. So, yeah. So, Nike, uh, Tesla. Fancy technology. Yeah. I think electric. I got a friend of mine who's buying a Tesla. He, get this, he's buying a Tesla. He has to wait three months to get the car. Oh, all right. Goodness. I don't know if I liked him that much. But, I mean, you know, that, my point. Branding for us today is because companies will spend millions and millions of dollars so that you, when you think of their company name, their character, their reputation, wow. what kind of product this it is. is. And here's what I'm saying. 
That's how we need to look at the name of God and what we learn about God from his various names in Scripture. They tell us his character, his reputation, who he is. And yes, many of the names of God are tied to promises Mm -hmm. that we can take and claim in our life, and they make a difference. Oh, that is... That's incredible. And, and Professor, that's why you're here. You can give a lot of context and fill out this conversation. I love the idea of branding. It, it mm-hmm. invokes everything about the company, and it invokes everything about God. Um, this month, yep. we talked through a few different names. One of them was Elroy, like the God who sees me. Mm-hmm. And I know that that name was revealed in a specific context to a specific person, how does that context and that revelation inform our lives today? Yeah, um, man, as we get to the names of God, I mean, yeah, this is a good one. And honestly, this one isn't even used as much. It's, this is really the only time that we see it in the Old Testament. And again, the name, and, and you have to be careful with Hebrew. There's so many different ways that we will see it pronounced. Sometimes you'll see it pronounced Elroy. Sometimes it'll be Elroy. So, you know, either is fine. But the key is that it's tied to Genesis chapter 16. And who are the lead characters in this context that we're looking at in in this part of the narrative in Genesis? We're looking at Abraham, Sarah. Now, back Mm -hmm. then, they were at this point, they were Abram and Sarai. But we'll just go ahead and say Abraham and Sarah. Everyone knows that name better. Uh, And then Hagar. And most folks might not remember, Hagar was actually the Egyptian maid Mm -hmm. uh, for Sarah. And we are at this point... Or just a quick reminder, Genesis 12 is when the covenant with Abram is established with Abraham. And basically God said, hey, your wife is barren. She's going to have a son and you are going to be an f- exalted father. You are going to be, you're going to have many descendants and your people will number like the sand on the beach or whatever. And so, you know, that was the promise that, you know, uh, that God made to Abram, the establishment of the covenant. Well, at this point in Genesis 16, we're about 10 years in. Sarah still ain't pregnant. Mm -mm. She hasn't had any kids. And so they decide, long story short, you know what? I think God needs some help. So in the culture of that day, it was acceptable. Now, again, notice what I said, in the culture of that day. So what culture was telling her and Abraham, it's okay if you have a servant for the husband, if the wife is barren, to go ahead and have relations with the servant. And then any ch- children you have, of course, will be his kids. Mm-hmm. So Sarah said, hey, here's Hagar. Um, let's do that. Go ahead. Wow. Well, they did, and it didn't go as according to what they had planned. Because what happened is there became bitterness between Sarah and Hagar. Eventually, Sarah, because she was being, tr- I'm sorry, Hagar, because she was being treated harshly, she left. She headed out for the wilderness, mm-hmm. separated, alone, pregnant, and all of a sudden, the angel of the Lord comes to her and basically promises her, you and your son are going to be okay. He is going to live. He's going to have descendants. You and your son are going to be okay. Go back home. It's going to be okay. And she proclaims, this is El Roy-E. God has seen me. Wow. And, and w- so what's that tell us about God? I think it points out several things, okay? God sees everything, even when we're being mistreated and neglected by people. Mm-hmm. And all of us go through that. All of us. I mean, ha- who has not asked, God, do you not see what's going on down here? 
I mean, and so I think this is a good reminder that when we know God is a God who sees, he sees when we're mistreated, he sees when we're hurting, all of that's true. I think it also highlights, and what he did with Hagar, God sees because he cares and he's compassionate. In other Mm -hmm. words, it's not just that he observes, the, the, the word being used is he sees, and when he sees, he wants to make a difference. And that means he extends care and compassion. I think of Psalms 1. Psalms 1 is a beautiful passage where it talks about, you know, those who live for God, those who obey his word will prosper and flourish, and you'll be like a tree firmly planted by those streams of water. Well, that Psalms 1 ends in verse 6, and the Lord knows the righteous. Well, other translations of that word know, and I love how some of them do it. They do it like this, and the Lord watches over. Wow. righteous. And that's what El Royee does. He Jeez. watches over us. And then the last thing I would highlight is I got to talk about Abraham and Sarah here. Go okay? for it. Because here they are midway in the covenant. And if you don't know the end of the story, it takes 25 years before they get Isaac. Mm-hmm. This, you know, this is year 10, 12, wherever it is. And the point is, is they let culture try to tell them how to help God. It they let work. culture dictate your next steps. And that always will lead to a mess. I like how one person said it here. When we lose perspective, or I'm sorry, we lose perspective on God and his plan when we lose our patience mm. in God. And that's what I think are some of the things we can learn by this name, El Royi. That Can you say that one more time? That when we're in the midst, and again, more to focus on Abraham and, and Sarah than right. so much Hagar, but when God has spoken to us, when God has given us a promise, and we lose perspective on what God has said, we lose that perspective when we lose our patience in God that, and trusting in Him. That's incredible. I hope, I mean, I'm, I'm taking notes. I hope everybody else is. That's an incredible thought. But God sees us. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I love, we were mm-hmm. kind of talking about it earlier, but God is the same yesterday, today, and yeah, forever. Right. He's never changing. So if you saw Hagar, he's going to see us. Um, and that Absolutely. even, like all, all the names in scripture, how many are there? Oh, man, um, that would be hard to count. I haven't seen the official number, especially if you start including the New Testament. And again, when you're talking about names, are you talking about the names of God? Or are you talking about titles of Jesus and all of that? But I mean, you know, it's easily close to 100 or more. Oh, yeah. yeah. And every name of God mm-hmm. applies to who he is today. That's that's why we're having the conversation. Yeah, true. true. Um, one that a lot of people know, I mean, songs are sung about it, but Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. Tell us a little bit about that name. Yeah, the God who provides. Now, again, we really see this come out in Genesis 22. And this is a, I think it's one of the most controversial passages in the entire Bible. Ooh, uh, get ready. Because it's, it's Abraham and Isaac and the call that Abraham receives from God. I want you to take Isaac, your one and only son, who, again, the promised child. They waited 25 plus years for him. Take him and offer him as a burnt offering to me. Mm. And so all the controversy that comes with that. But, you know, I think, I think we get distracted by the controversy and we miss the point. Mm. And so that's what I want us to be able to focus on. And again, like what we're doing here, 
the God who provides. Well, so what can we know about God when we study this in context? And so basically, if you're not real familiar with the story, uh, uh, Abraham gets Isaac, and they go on a three-day journey. And they head up to Mor uh, Moriah. Moriah, we believe, is where the temple used to stand. Now, today, it's the Dome of the Rock. You know, the mm -hmm. Muslim, they have that. They have that property right now, and they have the Dome of the Rock there. Uh, but we believe that is the spot where the sacrifice would have taken wow. place. But anyways, follow up the story. Uh, Abraham brings two servants with him. They travel, so it's a group of four. Mm -hmm. They head up there. As they come to the spot, Abraham says to his servants, uh, hey, you guys stay here. We're going to go up on the mountain. We will go to worship God. And then in verse 5, it says of 22, we will go worship and we will return to you. So right there, that tells you Abraham knew whatever was going to happen, the two of them were going to come back because mm -hmm. he knew who God is. He knew that God would provide. Even though I don't understand things right now, I trust and understand who God is, and mm -hmm. I'm going to trust in that. And so as the story goes, they prepare to make the sacrifice. They have the wood there. They have, you know, all this. He binds Isaac, puts him on the altar. And as he's ready to take the knife, stop, look over here. And he sees a ram in the bushes. And then in, in, in chapter 22, verse 7 and 8, Isaac says, and I'll read this because it's so critical. Isaac spoke up and said to his father, uh, father, Yes, my son Abraham replied, the fire and wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, verse 8, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering for my son. And he does. And so uh, now, so what's this tell us about God? Mm -hmm. Because again, a lot of folks I've seen, a lot of folks will sit here and they'll just say that this shows that God is, you know, a horrible person to even request this and demanding human sacrifice. That, that was never a part of it because God was going to provide what he needed in this situation, and he did. So the first thing we can see with God providing on this situation is with Isaac that we first know is you can take a Jewish perspective on this because mm -hmm. the Jewish perspective, the emphasis is not so much on Abraham, the emphasis is more on Isaac and the fact that he was bound, and, that, and they call it the Akita, and the emphasis with that being the binding, that he was tied. He right. was laid on the altar even to begin with, and for, from a Jewish perspective, that brings a good question of uh, what do you need to give God? What are you keeping from God so that he can provide all that he wants to provide for you? Wow. So that's one of the cool things I appreciate about that. Um, and then just more and more that we can go on to in regards to this, because there's just so much with this important passage. But I would just challenge everyone, don't get lost on the controversy, okay? Because as you look at this and you think of the controversy, oh, is God demanding this and that? No, no. We're told right at the beginning, God was testing him. Right. And as Christians, we're told that throughout Scripture. Now, here's the key, though. God will test his people, but he's not going to tempt you mm -hmm. because the enemy tempts us. And if you want to read more about that, go to James 1, starting in verse 12 and 13. God does not tempt us with evil because he wants us to succeed. He wants us to flourish, but he will test us so that we can become better and holier right. and purer and 
come to understand we can trust him because he will provide what we need. That is, that's fantastic. I love the idea of the binding and what is, yeah. what is something that we are not giving over to God? That is, that's beautiful. Um, a few weeks ago, we talked about Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. Yeah. So how, when was that revealed? How does that influence us and our lives? Yeah, now this one, I would say, let's get back more to the context of what we find it in, because we think of Jehovah Rapha as, of course, mostly physical healing. Mm -hmm. But as we see it in Scripture, it's not just physical healing. It's used in several different contexts for the fact that God will heal, He will cure, yes, but also He will restore, and it really does talk about a healing that is spiritual. Mm -hmm. And we can see that in regards to, of course, dealing with our issue of sin and the penalty for that. So, so it's not just physical healing. Uh, but we do see this in Exodus 15. And so in Exodus 15, just to remind everyone, we got Moses here and the children of Israel, and, you know, he goes and God calls him, you know, go, let my people go. And, you know, and so they do. And so now they've just crossed the Red Sea, okay? They, you know, the waters, they, they, the, the whole massive crowd of Israelites, possibly a million, two million. We don't know the number, but it was a major movement of people. And the Egyptians were, were coming behind them and Pharaoh's folks and the waters parted. They walked on dry ground and then the waters came back and washed all them away and so on and so on. Um, well, but what happens next is they would go to the desert and for three days, there's no water to drink. The only water that there is, it's bitter. So in other words, it's unhealthy. They can't drink it. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, as we see over and over in the Old Testament and the children of Israel, they complain. And so Moses goes to God. God, what do you want us to do? We need water. It's been three days. God tells him, hey, take this piece of wood, throw it in there. It'll restore the water. It'll make it drinkable. It will restore and nourish you and heal you. And sure enough, he does, and it works. So uh, the emphasis here is, as we look at this, and again, Exodus 15, 26 gives us the exact wording here. And God said, if you will listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight and listen to his commands and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have put on the Egyptians, for I, the Lord, am your healer. And so, again, now what do I see here? What does this remind me of as I think of Jehovah Rapha? Again, all of us, it's not that we need physical healing. Now, again, some of us do, and we have every right to pray for that. We should be praying for those who need physical healing, absolutely. But all of us need spiritual healing. All of us need to be restored in some way, and this is exactly addressing that issue too. The other thing is this is another time of testing. You can mm-hmm. see that's what's going on here. And I like, the, I like this story because of the point here, okay? Think about it. The issue the Israelites had was with water. At first, they had too much. They couldn't cross the Red Sea. So right. God parted that. They walked on dry ground. Then, three days later, they didn't have enough water. And they were, they were mm-hmm. dying of thirst. Mm-hmm. And it's like, God, where's our, we need nourishment. Well, you know what? Here's what I want us to remember. The issue was never water to begin with. The issue was, who are you trusting and are you obeying me as I lead you? Wow. And, that, and, 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 and Lewis, same thing for us today. Whatever circumstance you're going through, the issue in that circumstance is not some physical thing. Mm-hmm. That's not your biggest struggle. The struggle is, 
what does God want you to do in that situation? And are you following through with how he's leading you today and then tomorrow and then the next day? That's really what we need to understand from this. That's, that's incredible. The idea of testing is definitely not a temptation, but mm-hmm. Jesus said that my sheep know me and yes. they know my voice and they follow me. So in obedience, we get to experience God and discover who he is. That's, that's awesome. Uh, the last week, we talked about Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. It's not quite just a name for God, but, but a person. Tell us about Holy Spirit and how Holy Spirit kind of takes over our lives. Yeah, now here we have to tread carefully. Because this is not a name for God. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. Right. I mean, and, you know, God has revealed himself to us as Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Uh, You can see this all the way in Genesis 1, and it follows through all the way through Revelation. We Mm -hmm. see, you know, we serve a Trinitarian God a God who has revealed himself in three ways, and, and it's Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So it's important to realize it's not just another name for God. Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit is God. And, and here's the thing, you can't live the Christian life without the Holy Spirit right. being a part. I mean, he is what brings about the new birth. He is what convicts you of sin because of the Word of God. He mm-hmm. is what you know instructs you. Uh, you know the crazy thing that I have to get my mind around every now and then is when Jesus was ascending to the Father in the Book of Acts, and Jesus says, "It is better for you if I go." And it's like, are you kidding me? What, what do you mean? Right? Yeah. What do you mean? Because I will send the Spirit and he will be with you forever. And so that's the cool thing to understand is that when we start talking about the Holy Spirit, it's not just another name for God. He is God. He is the third person of the Trinity, and he is what makes the Christian life possible mm-hmm. because he resides in us. And that's why, Lewis, you and I, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit because he lives in every Christian. Wow. Temple of the Holy Spirit, and that changes everything about changes how we everything. live. right. Because exactly. we're, it's not just living for ourselves. We are temples of the Holy. That's that's a brilliant thought. I want a lot of us to study that. But mm-hmm. those are those are some of the names we talked about in services the past month. But tell us a few more, some names of God that are just gold. We want to talk. About. Yeah, yeah. Lewis and I were talking earlier, and and when we were prepping for this, I you know I just said I said hold it, wait, wait, wait. Yeah, we can't talk about the names of God unless we're going to talk about the name of God. Let's get it. And the name of God is Yahweh. And now, now, again, and I told Lewis, I've told Lewis, if I start going down the road and droning on, he needs to stop me, tell me to shut up. I just, (laughs) because, I mean, this, now, first, all kidding aside, this is a debated issue of what does this name mean? And I'll be honest with you. I will not be able to give you a definitive answer on this because nobody can. God is mysterious, and mm-hmm. I mean that not in a ghostly boo, you know, I, I, but God is just so incomprehensible. He is profound. He is wow. an infinite being, and we aren't. And so, you know, we are limited in what we can understand about God. And by the way, that's why it's important for us to know the names of God. He's revealed these to us so that we can know about him, and that's why it's important for us too. But when we come to Yahweh, a uh, couple things to know. This is the most prominent name for God in the Old Testament. It's used over 6,500 times. Wow. So, yeah, it's, it's an important one to know. In English, how do you, I mean, because again, hey, Randy, 
I don't read Hebrew. Well, guess what? I don't either. All right? I did for <laughs> one year in seminary, but I forgot it all. Um, but, but the point to know is that for, for understanding who God is and understanding the name Yahweh, when we see it in English, most English Bibles or most English translations, you know you've come across the name Yahweh in the original text when you see in the Old Testament, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Mm-hmm. That's how most English translators will help you to understand the difference between just God, which is a Hebrew word, Elohim, and the Lord God. In other words, the personal name for God that was revealed in a few minutes. We'll get to the context of this to Moses at the burning bush. So, uh, but a couple other things to know. Um, Theologically, it's known as, now forgive me for a second, but it's known as the Tetragrammaton. That's just a fancy way of saying the four letters. Yeah, the four letters. Professor Randy's in the room. That's all that means. Sorry, no quiz at the end of this. But I mean, it's just Y-H-W-H, Yahweh. Okay? Um, The next thing to know is that when we come to Jesus, okay, things get real interesting. Long story short, you had this Hebrew scriptures in BC times, about 250 BC. All of a sudden, the Hebrews decide, hey, our people can't read this anymore. You know, Rome has taken over, Greek is the language. We need to translate this. They translate the Hebrew into Greek. The question comes, oh my gosh, what do we do with the Tetragrammaton? How do we translate Yahweh? I mean, you know, there's no vowels, it's all consonants. How do we translate this into Greek? Mm-hmm. Guess what word they picked? Curios. In other words, English for the English of that is Lord, and that is the name that is applied to Jesus. Wow. Each and every time as you okay. look in the New Testament, he is the Lord and Savior, and it's the word curios. So, uh, so that's, that's a whole other discussion for another day of how Jesus claims, you know, hey, I am. And as a matter of fact, you can even look in John uh, chapter 8. In John 8, Jesus will have a discussion with them and with the Pharisees and everyone. And they're going back and forth, and he talks about, hey, you know what? Before Abraham, Abraham rejoiced to see my day. Now, again, Jesus is speaking in 30 AD. Abraham was way back in BC time. Mm-hmm. How did Abraham rejoice to see your day? And so they press him on this, and he goes on and he says, hey, before Abraham was born, I am. Wow. And he was claiming in the original, as you look at the Greek, I am, I am Yahweh. And that is what he claimed. And then that's why the next verse you see in John 8, 58, 59, that's why the next verse is, and the Jews went to pick up stones to stone him because they knew he was blaspheming. Right. He that was, was such a to bold God. statement. Yeah, it was, they never heard anything like that. Wow. They never heard anything yep. like that. So, but let's get back to Yahweh. So how do you translate it? What does that tell us about God? As you look in Exodus 3, again, real quick, uh, let me just read 14 and 15. Again, Moses is at the burning bush. We don't need to go through the whole story of Moses. You guys have seen the movies. You guys are, you know, understand. So Moses, you know, he's in the wilderness. He's a shepherd, okay? Uh, but God comes to him in a bush that is on fire yet not consumed. Now, just let that sink in for a few minutes, okay? So obviously he's sitting on holy Crazy. ground, and it's a miracle, yep. okay? And he's in his excuse mode. God has just privileged him by saying, you're going to free my people. And Moses said, me? I mean, you know, and so he goes on a list of excuses. Uh, God, there's got to be someone better. It can't be me. And one of the things he says is, who am I going to say is sending me to do this? You know, I just can't go and say the God of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, you know. No, no. Who do I tell them is sending me to do this? 
And he says, you tell them, and then that's where the name Yahweh first appears. Uh, now, don't get me wrong, in Scripture, we believe Moses wrote the first five books, so it's in Genesis 2 and things, but he went back later and wrote that, of course. Mm -hmm. But as it's first used in experience, yeah, it's here in Exodus chapter 3. And the best way to translate it, we don't know. I, mean, I am that I am is usually what you'll see in your English translations in verse 14 and 15 there. I am that I am, but in some translations we'll say, but no, 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 that's just limiting it to the present. It also incorporates the future. I will be what I will be. That's a valid way to do it too, because here's the things to understand about the term Yahweh, okay? It's a verb. Right, now, again, think with me. Lewis, Randy, I mean, Joel's over there. I saw Carissa around here earlier. Um, hey, our names are proper nouns, mm -hmm. okay? God chose, if you're going to try to name me and what I want you to understand about me, it's a verb. Because you know why? Verbs are action. Yes. And what God is telling us That's with the awesome. fact, he's telling us that, hey, I am a God who moves. I am a God who makes a difference Come in on. history, in this world. I will act in your behalf. And that's the first thing we have to understand. The second thing is it's the covenant name. When God is making an agreement, a covenant with his people, this is the name you see. Why? Because as he was giving it to Moses, this is the personal name for God. Okay, again, like me. Technically, my name is Randall Allison. Well, nobody calls me Randall. My wife doesn't even call me Randall, okay? Even when I'm in trouble, she doesn't even call me <laughs> Randall, okay? Um, but, yeah. Randy is just a much more personal name and much more, mm -hmm. it's a shorter version. It's not as formal. Hey, it's just more of a comfortable way to address me, especially for those who know me well. In a way, that's what Yahweh is as opposed to God or Elohim. Mm -hmm. It's a personal way of understanding who God is. And when you call him by that name, it should remind you of the promises that he's made to you. That's so true. that's the thing to understand. Also, and then just to mention this, it's the existential name. And what I mean by that is it reminds us of the fact God's different. He is not a contingent being like you and I are. Okay, mm -hmm. You and I are dependent upon our parents to give birth to us. We're dependent upon food. We're dependent upon all of this stuff. I mean, we have frail bodies, you know, all of that. That ain't God. God's eternal. God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is not contingent on anything. He is the eternal one who has always existed. So that's what I mean by he is. It also reminds us of the fact that it is his existential name. He will always be because that's who he is. He's God. Right. And then the last thing I would say it reminds us of, and this is what's so frustrating, it simply reminds us God is beyond, beyond our comprehension. Mm -hmm. There is only so much we can know about God, and what we can know is what he chooses to reveal. Right. And that's why it's so important to know the names of God. Wow. That's incredible. I, uh, uh, I've so enjoyed this conversation. I, I think that it is such an honor, uh, number one, to have you, but it's an honor to be able to talk about the names of God. And Jesus is the fullness of God. So yes. everything that God is, Jesus is. And so, man, it, it's yes. so cool to think about how there was Abraham, and Abraham knew God by a name, but, mm -hmm. but we know God by all of it. We, we know God is Jesus. We know yeah. Holy Spirit. We know the Father, and that is it's what it means to follow Jesus. What, it's what it means to be a Christian. Yeah, and I would, I would add to that as we wrap up that, man, 
every Christian, I mean, the Holy Spirit's living in you. We need to remember whose name we bear because we're made in the image That's of true. God. Wow. And as we call ourselves Christians because the Holy Spirit's living in us, we need to remember we represent God to other folks. It's like, okay, I'm going to go old preacher story on you. I love this story. It's the old story. I can't even believe I'm going to say this, but it's the old story of a five, six-year-old boy sitting in Sunday school, you know, a little Bible Ooh. study. I know yep. I'm going way back in my Texas days, but a little boy sitting five, six-year-old in his Sunday school class, he's drawing a picture. Sunday school teacher comes over and says, hey, what are you drawing? He says, hey, I'm, I'm drawing God. And then the teacher looks at him kind of taken back and says, well, uh, you can't draw God. No one knows what he looks like. And the young man looks at him as innocent as can be and says, well, they will when I'm done. Oh, there we go. Now, here's my point. <laughs> here's my point. Everyone you come in contact with, you're drawing a picture of God for them. Wow. And as you bear the name Christian, we need to remember that there is reverence for the fact that we take the name of Christ. And because of who Christ is, the second person of the Trinity... Mm -hmm. um, we need to understand that we have a tremendous opportunity every day to draw a picture of who God is for folks. And in many ways, sharing with them and living out what we know of the names of God help to make that easier right. as we go through our life. No, that is, that's so true. And we got to carry that with us. We're mm -hmm. made in the image of God. Wow. Hey, if you haven't had a chance to go back and watch, listen to, participate in the services we've had this month in August, I need you to go on YouTube, cf.youngadults, The God Who. We've had these conversations. Um, you, you need to be a part of them. And this conversation right here, this podcast has been just pure gold. We've been mining gold out of it. Professor Randall Allison, ah. thank you for, for showing up and being a part of it. Guys, if you haven't yet, like, subscribe, share this podcast with somebody who needs to hear it. Until then, we'll see you. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Young and Adulting. Don't forget to tune in Thursdays at 7.30 p.m. on our YouTube channel and follow us on Instagram at cf.youngadults. And if there's a topic you'd like to talk about, we want to hear about it. Send us an email or leave a comment with your thoughts. We'll see you next time.